We've waited. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting. We've waited for years. We're still, well, we're not waiting anymore because it's finally happened. We've been waiting for years and it's finally happened. It's finally here. I don't know about, okay, all right. Anticipation is an exciting thing. Anticipation is, is tough. Uh, I know for me, um, I've been waiting for this movie, The Force Awakens, to come out for years. I've been waiting for The Force Awakens to come out for years. And some of you are like, I don't care about Star Wars. I won't talk about it very long, I promise. Some of you are like, talk about it all day, that's fine. Can't wait. When I was a kid, uh, I, I, I loved the Star Wars movies. Still do. Uh, I was nine years old the first time I saw a movie in the theater. My dad took me to see Return of the Jedi, the summer of, 2000, uh, summer of 1983. And it was awesome. I mean, it was great. This is the first time I've ever been in a theater. Uh, I, I went and saw, I saw Star Wars on TV, on the little black and white TV we had. I can only assume the color of Luke Skywalker's jumpsuit was orange. But... Um, we, uh, so we, we watched uh, Star Wars on TV, and then I, I think we saw Empire Strikes Back in the drive-in, but this was my first time in a movie theater with the surround sound and all these cool things that I have in my living room now. But anyway, um, it was awesome. I mean, it was just awesome. This movie, I've been, waiting, I've been waiting to see it, and I'm nine years old, and I'm, I'm all excited, and, uh, and it was great. I mean, it was awesome. The movie was incredible, and Luke and Leia and Han Solo and... And Darth Vader, who was scary at the time. Why is Darth Vader cool now? I don't understand that. When I was a kid, he scared me to death. And now everyone's like, Darth Vader's awesome. No, no, he's not. No, he's, he's a bad guy. So anyway, I'm sitting there and, and in the movie, and I'm just like wide-eyed as we're watching Star Wars. And I'll, I'll never forget the scariest moment of the movie is when the lightning bolts are coming out of the Emperor's hands into, into Luke Skywalker. And I buried my head in my dad's side. And I was like, oh, no. It was awesome. And then we waited and waited and waited, and the prequels came out. Episodes 1, 2, and 3. We're not going to talk about those. They're awful. And so we've been waiting since 2005, since the last prequel came out, and waiting for a good Star Wars movie. And everything I've heard is that this one is amazing, awesome. How many of you have seen it? Anybody go see it this week? All right, don't say a word. I don't want to know anything about it other than the fact you can tell me that it's awesome, and that's all I want to know. But anyway, I, I, I'm filled with anticipation and excitement over this movie. And let me tell you why. Because I have a nine-year-old. I have a son who's nine. And this week, we're going to watch episodes four, five, and six. I'm not going to subject him to one, two, and three. But we're going to watch four, five, and six this week. And then next week, I told him this last night. I said, we're going to go see the new one. <gasps> really? Yeah. Oh, he's almost as excited as I am. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm so excited. I'm so, and I hate to wait for stuff. I'm like biting my fingernails off, champ, champing at the bit, going, man, when am I going to go see this movie? I can't wait to go see this movie. Anticipation. Waiting. Excitement. Where I'm at. Now, I don't know about you, but like I said, I hate to wait. And even as Americans, we kind of hate to wait, don't we? We hate to wait for anything. Uh, we hate to wait for for things that are, are coming that we're excited about, things that we know are going to happen. We hate to wait. Uh, we invented the microwave because <laughs> we hate to wait to heat food up. And you stand there in front of the microwave going, 30 seconds more. 
We hate to wait. We get filled with anticipation and excitement. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, I have great anticipation and excitement for an event to come. The return of Jesus Christ. I look forward to the day when he returns, when he comes back. With great anticipation and hope. It's a wonderful thing to think about. It's an amazing thing to think about. That Jesus is coming back. Now, I, I wonder how the, the people of Jesus' day felt as they were awaiting the Messiah. As they were waiting for the one who was going to come. What kind of anticipation did they have? What kind of excitement did they have uh, about the coming of the Messiah that, that they were looking so forward to, that they, were, they couldn't wait for, for the Messiah to come? And then he came, only to be rejected and crucified and killed, buried in the ground. But God raised him from the dead and brought him back to life. And he ascended into heaven and he's coming back. We celebrate Christmas every year, right? And, and, and it's something that's so exciting and, and fills us with such anticipation. You think about when stores start putting out their Christmas decorations <laughs> and their Christmas sales. Now, retailers do it because they're ready to make money. But the reason they make money is because we're excited. We can't wait to buy all the accoutrements. It was on the Word of the Day calendar. We can't, we can't wait to buy all that stuff for Christmas. And so, day after Halloween, all the Christmas stuff hits the shelves. Even earlier, if you were at Hobby Lobby this year, it was like middle of October, early October, they had their Christmas stuff out. So they, they put all the Christmas stuff out because they know we're going to gobble it up. Because we can't wait for Christmas. It's the most wonderful time of the year. We love Christmas. Well, well, most people do. Not everybody loves Christmas. Some people have a lot of hurt and pain in their life. They have a, they have a hard time at Christmas. They have a hard time being holly, let alone jolly. There are people who have financial pain in their life. They really wish that they could do more for their loved ones or to do more for charities or things like that, and they just can't make ends meet. They have a lot of financial pain in their life. People who have a lot of spiritual pain. They don't have hope. They don't have the hope that Jesus is coming back. They don't know Jesus. And there's a lot of spiritual pain in their life. Or they're battling depression, the blues, the winter blues, the Christmas blues. They have a lot of pain in their, in their hearts and in their minds and in their souls. And they don't look forward to Christmas. Now, don't get me wrong, Christmas is the most wonderful time of year, and, and I look forward to it every year, but I know that not everyone does. And that Christmas can be really hard for people. But I believe that in that, in that baby laying in that manger, I, I believe that he grew up and is the, became the, the Savior of the world, and that he did die on that cross, and that God raised him from the dead, and that he is coming back one day soon. That is the hope that I have. And I pray that that is the hope that you have, that if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you believe in him and have repented of your sins, 
confessed your faith and have been baptized, that you have that hope in your heart and in your life. That's my prayer for you today. And I want to take a look at a passage of Scripture this morning that talks about anticipation. It talks about hope. The hope that we have as believers in Jesus. The hope that we have as Christians. I want to talk about that for a little bit today. It's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 13 through 18. If you didn't bring a Bible and you want to grab one out of the chair in front of you, it's on page 836, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. The Apostle Paul is writing to the Thessalonian church. It's a very young congregation, lots of new believers. And they were scared, they were worried about their loved ones who knew Jesus but had died. You see, in those days, the Greeks and Romans didn't believe in heaven. They believed in a place called Hades. It was the place of the dead. It was not a joyous place, but rather it was an abysmal one. It was dismal and dark. It was not a joyous place. It was far from paradise. And they believed, the Greeks and Romans, the pagan religions around them, believed that that's where everyone went. And so the Thessalonians are worried about their loved ones. Where did they go? What's going to happen to them? This is what Paul writes to them. Let's look at verses 13 through 15 first. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Like I said, they were worried about their loved ones. What was going to happen to them? And he says, you got nothing to worry about. You have no reason to grieve like those who have no hope. You have no reason to cry. You have no reason to be mournful. You have no reason to be sorrowful. No, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And then when he comes back, He's not coming by himself. No, he is bringing with him all those who have died in him. And we who are left, who are still here, if, if, if the Lord tarries and we're still here when he comes back, we're going to be with them too. We're going to see them again. This is the hope that we have. That when Jesus comes back, he's bringing our loved ones with him. Those who knew the Lord, those who... Uh, received the, the gift of salvation by God's grace through faith in Christ, they're coming back with him. This is our hope. Look at verses 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Are there any more encouraging, comforting, wonderful words in all of Scripture than that? And so we will be with the Lord for how long? Forever. That when Jesus comes back, it will not be a secret. Okay, it, it will it'll be a surprise, but it won't be a secret. Because we're told that his coming will be audible and visible. That there will be a loud command. There will be the voice of the archangel, the trumpet call of God. You will hear something. 
when Jesus comes back. And you will see him. Every eye will see him, the Bible says. Every eye will see him when he comes back. And he is coming back. And he will come back and he will not be alone. For our loved ones who have died in the Lord will be with him. And we will be caught up. The, the Greek word there is translated into the Latin. And that's from, from the Latin word is where we get our word rapture. And this is the idea of the rapture, that we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Now, when does that take place? I have no idea. I couldn't tell you. Pre-trib, post-trib, uh, whatever. I have no idea. I, I'll be honest. I, I'm not that smart. And you know what? Here's the thing. We could sit here and, and argue for days on end about when that's going to happen. And you know what? It ain't going to change anything, because when it happens, it's going to happen. Right? And when it happens, what a day of rejoicing that will be. For we will see the Lord face to face. He will welcome us into his presence. We will meet the Lord in the air. I don't know what that feels like. I've always wanted to fly. My favorite superhero is Superman. I always wanted to fly. It says we will meet the Lord in the air. Start practicing, right? I can't wait for that day when Jesus comes back and we see him face to face. The one who died for our sins. The one who saved us and rescued us from death. The one who has given us the promise of eternal life. He's coming back. And this is what Paul, Paul gives them a command. This is what he says to do in verse 18. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. We should be talking about this. We should be excited about this. We should be living in anticipation of this. We should be telling each other, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And when he does, he is taking, taking us back with him. He's taking us to our heavenly home. And so we will be with the Lord forever. We should encourage each other with this thought. Encourage each other with these words. You're going to heaven. Woohoo! Not right now, but eventually. He's coming back to take us home. And he's bringing with him those who we love, those who we know. Maybe it's your parents that you miss. Maybe it's a brother or a sister that you miss. Maybe it's a child that you've missed. Maybe it's a friend. A brother or sister that used to sit down the, the road from here. You know you're going to see them again. For they will be coming with the Lord. And we will be caught up to meet them in the air. And we will be with the Lord forever. Could there be a more encouraging thought? Could there be a more wonderful way to celebrate Christmas? than to think about not just the first time that he came, but that he's coming again. I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you are not feeling very holly or jolly. Maybe you're not feeling very Christmassy. Maybe you're not feeling the, the Christmas spirit today. I want to just speak to you for a moment. Maybe you're down and depressed. Maybe you're in the depths of despair. 
God has hope for you, my friend. God has real hope for you. And it is in the person of Jesus Christ that I know things are bad. Maybe in your life things are really rotten right now. I believe that there is hope for you. That things won't always be this way. Things will get better. Because when Jesus comes back, he'll do away with all of the sin, with all of the struggles, with all of the pain, with all of the hurt, with all of the heartache and the heartbreak. Your heart may be breaking right there where you're sitting this morning. You may be missing that loved one who died in the Lord years ago. You may be sorrowful over a broken relationship in your life. You may be worried about the future. God has got your future. You may be regretting decisions that you've made. You may be feeling guilty and full of shame over poor choices that you've made. God is willing and able to forgive you. God will forgive you and wipe the slate clean and take away the guilt and the shame. There is hope for you, my friend. If you will put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you will believe in Him, repent from your sins, confess your faith and be baptized, you will be saved. And you will have this hope of eternity. You will have this hope of heaven, this hope of forever. It'll be yours. The Bible makes us a promise. The Bible makes us a real promise. In Revelation 21, verses 3 and 4, and I want to read this for you now. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. That is the hope that we have. No more death. You may be dying today. You may be dying on the inside. You may be dying physically. And you, you've got a terminal illness, a, a disease that there's no cure for. When Jesus comes back, there'll be no more death. There'll be no more crying. You may be crying right now. You may have tears in your eyes at this moment. If not, I'm going to tell you a story in a minute, and you will. You may be crying tears of pain and anguish and sorrow. God will wipe away every tear from your eyes. You may be in tremendous pain, physical, emotional, spiritual. God will wash away your pain. He will heal your broken heart. He will heal your broken body. He is a God of healing. He is a God of hope. Like I said, you may regret things in the past. God is willing to wash it clean and make things brand new for you. He is the God of hope. And we have hope because Jesus is coming back. I want to tell you a story about a woman who was given three months to live. She had been diagnosed with a terminal illness. And she wasn't going to live very long. 
So she called her minister over, and the minister came to visit her, and she said, I want to talk to you about my service. I want to talk to you about my funeral. She said, uh, these are the songs that I want played. So I, w- I want these songs played during my service. Okay. This is the dress that I've chosen that I want to be buried in. Okay. These are the scripture passages, passages that I want you to read. And this is the sermon that I want you to preach. And after they had a good cry together, after they talked a little more, he got up to leave. And she said, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. There's one more thing. She said, when I am laying in my coffin, I want you to put a fork in my right hand. The pastor was very puzzled. What are you talking about? She said, I can tell that you're confused. Let me tell you why I want you to put a fork in my right hand. When I was a little girl, my grandmother would take me to socials and dinners and things like that. And when we went to these occasions at these restaurants and at these clubs, though we would enjoy a a fine meal, a, a dinner together, and it was a wonderful time. And just when you thought it couldn't get any better, the waiters would come and they would clear the the tables and they would always say the same thing keep your fork and she said that was my favorite part of the dinner because I knew something great was going to happen a velvety chocolate cake or deep dish apple pie she said hold on to your fork the best is yet to come and so when you bury me I want to have a fork in my right hand And I want everyone, when people come up and they say, what's with the fork? I want you to tell them this story. And keep your fork. Because the best is yet to come. My friend, you may be hurting. You may be in pain. You may be struggling. You may be heartbroken. I have something for you today. We're going to play a song in just a moment. And I have a fork for you. I want you to remember this message. When you're dealing, when you're struggling, when you're hurting, when you don't know if you can go on, I want you to look at this fork. I want you to remember that the best is yet to come. I can only imagine There's coming a day when imagination will not be necessary. Reality will be real. Jesus Keep your fork. Best is yet to come.